Cover City Sports is back, episode 25. Steve, what are we blessing the listeners with this week? Huge interview this week, Dave. Two time Super Bowl winner, current Jets offensive coach Todd Washington joins the podcast this week. We're recapping the college football championship, Bama versus OSU. Guys, in this week's Cover City Saloon Talk, we break down Tyler Heineke's performance, Deshaun Watson's situation in Houston, and why someone wants to punch C.J. Garner-Johnson in the mouth. We got we got the four NFL game playoff games to look forward to this week. Uh, it's going to be a great episode here, and of course, Steve-O's buttered hard roll of the week. Lantern, let it rip. Let's go. Cover City Sports is back with our 25th episode. Steve, what's going on, my man? Dave, I got my wings clipped uh, in the NFL over the weekend. Came a little bit uh, down to earth after my uh, humongous uh, last few weekends. Uh, but I did. I finished strong in college football, Dave. Nailed Alabama. Nailed the over in the national championship game to finish extremely strong in the college football season. So we got that to go with. High highs and low lows. Uh, every handicapper knows that. And so does our our upcoming guest that we're excited to uh, to interview this week. A big one there, Steve-O. Definitely huge, Dave. I'm so excited. And he definitely mentioned uh, the highs and, and the lows of, uh, of his profession. So you guys definitely got to tune into that one. Rue, what's going on, my man? How's the head out? What's up, fellas? Hen house, good as ever. Uh, no more college football for a whole month. Uh, a month away from today, we got our first FCS football game. Uh, McNeese takes on Tarleton State. Don't get sad for too long, folks. <laughs> That's that. That is exciting, though. I mean, I, I, I don't think the FCS should keep a season in the spring long term. But it is, it is sweet given all the sh- you know crap that we've gone through with sports that we get football in another month again in some fashion. I agree. Yeah, it's going to be dope for sure. Lantern, what about you? How's the booth? Booth's good, man. Um, I'm taking a look here. There's something going on with the number 25 in baseball. 25th episode. 25th episode. Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Rafael Palmero. I do mention it was Sammy Sosa on the Texas Rangers, not the Chicago Cup. Uh, conspiracy? I don't know, but all wore the number 25. Hot take. Bring steroids back to baseball. Pat, you know I don't believe in coincidences. Coincidences. Coincidence. Dave, how about you, Dave? How was the weekend for you? Man, uh, I, I got into some prop bets this week and had some success. Went 6-1 uh, and one in the NFL and 8-3 and three overall. I'll have more of those uh, upcoming for this week as well. But let's go ahead. Let's jump into some saloon talk. This is Cover City Salute Talk. Steve, why don't you go ahead and, and start us off here in Saloon Talk? What 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 had you talking this week? Dave, this one was it was actually kind of it definitely caught my eye. CJ Garner, uh Gardner Johnson, Saints cornerback. He was in the news three times this year for uh incidents, uh physical altercations. Uh, with with players in the league, twice actually being uh, Chicago Bears wide receivers. Earlier in the regular season, uh, him and Javon uh, Wims got into a little little scuffle. Javon uh, retaliated with uh, with a right hook to get him ejected from from the game. Then it happened again this weekend in uh, the playoff game against the Bears versus the Saints. Anthony Miller was ejected for punching um, Garner Johnson in the head. After it was reported that coaches had said to their wide receivers all throughout practice during the week, do not let this guy get into your head. He is going to chirp. He's going to be there. Do not let him get you going because 
you will retaliate and you will be kicked out. Boom. Now, now here's the last one. Here's the kicker. Here's like the one that I, that totally just made me laugh out loud. Michael Thomas, if anybody remembers, was reported to have punched a teammate in practice. Who was that teammate, Dave? Oh, it was Gardner Johnson. Got kicked out of practice. Was was being targeted as as, as a uh, you know a bad teammate uh, for punching a teammate. And come to find out, th- this guy's own mama would knock him out. You know, he'd probably talk so much smack to her. So yeah, you just think he's the ultimate trash <laughs> talker, or or what do you think it is? What was that? You just think he's the ultimate trash talker? Got to be if he's getting all these guys to swing at him with a helmet on. Like, I mean, how 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 silly is it that you're swinging at a guy closed fisted with a helmet on his head? You're not going to do anything. Just bust your hand up, you know. So he's got to piss you off an awful lot that you're going to punch him with a with a, a NFL helmet on his head. I mean, right? So do do, do we ex- are, should we expect someone on the Bucks to get thrown out this week? I don't know. Antonio Brown might go for the, you know, the the family jewels. Maybe give him a, a right hook to the old uh, twig and berries. Maybe I don't. know. That's where I'd go with it. What's he like? Hams back there talking about your sister. Bro, <laughs> what about you? What are you bringing to the table today for some saloon talk? So I'm bringing to the saloon Taylor Heineke of uh, the Washington Football Team taking over for Alex Smith after his uh, calf got a little extra injured. Uh, he completed 26 of his 44 passes, but I mean, he was pretty spectacular in this in this wild card game. He actually was finishing up his engineering degree at Old Dominion, had to email his professors, and they're pretty understanding of uh, uh, his situation. But I mean, pose the question where's he been for the past eight years? 2012 Walter Payne Award winner at Old Dominion, uh, our CAA, CAA alum. So I know where you guys are on. Yeah, with no, I, 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 my, that's my question. I've been asking myself all week is where, where, what has he been doing for it for eight years? His effort in the game was impeccable. He could, he looked really good in the pocket, could throw the fuck out of the ball. That, that's what got me going. Like his stats were okay. I mean, they, they were good seeing that he hasn't basically played a full game in, in close to eight years. But what was more impressive is just like, why is this guy throwing his life on the line, so to speak, to to make to get every inch of every yard on every play here? And we got quarterbacks that are tech, basically unproven in the NFL, sitting on nice contracts. Like, why was why was his effort the most impressive? Anyone I talked to, the the effort he put in was so impressive. It's like, should that yeah. be impressive in the NFL? But it is. Well, listen, here's the thing: there was a point in that game where that poor guy's shoulder was hanging. I mean, he was he was in serious pain. They had to bring another quarterback, another backup to the backup to the backup in the game for a few snaps while Heineke went to the locker room, got done whatever he needed to get done. Then he came back in and led them down on a scoring drive that basically I was praying that he he stayed out hurt because I knew this other kid wasn't going to beat me with the spread, but you know, this Heineke kid came in, Bruce Arians was interviewed this week, just said that the kid he's got, he's got the it factor uh, for, for a quarterback. And he he was very composed under pressure and and really just put the ball on the money. Um, He was for sure playing for a contract too. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's a free agent, so he's getting a chance to play in a wild card game and a chance to go and get a little better contract than he would before. And I I know he's bopped around like in the XFL. I think he was drafted in for the second time the XFL was coming around. Dave, he was, he was, he was uh, signed by the Vikings played, played two seasons with the Vikings was on the Patriots practice squad. uh, Then uh, went from the Texans to the Panthers uh, then actually out of football for a year and then went to the XFL uh, with the St. Louis franchise there um, for the short time that that they had uh, the XFL uh, playing. And then they were shut down due to COVID. And, and it was it was December 8th of this year uh, when he got the phone call from the Washington football team uh, to to come in and, you know, and as on- mentioned, he was legitimately taking engineering classes at his old school Dominion. Trying to finish up his degree. Is that how can you hate this kid? Three hundred and eight yards. Pylon for like a, a sixteen-yard scamper. Looked like he jumped from the ten-yard oh, line. He's impressive. He's like he's- um, football player. What do we want to call this one? Steve, I'll come up with some award off the top of your head here for this guy. 
Oh, uh, sitting in our cover city cooler of the week, Heineken for Taylor Heineken. Oh, here we go. And he ain't a Heineken light. That was, he was, he was definitely the full flavor Heineken. That, that kid, you know, he came to play, man. And, and he definitely, to, for the backup quarterbacks that we witnessed this year in the NFL, that kid definitely, he earned himself a seat at the table. Yeah, probably earned himself a big paycheck there. But um, uh, what, what I'm taking here with Saloon Talk is I'm loving the Deshaun Watson drama that's been unfolding this week uh he's got to get out of houston i look at houston as just a franchise that's just looking to profit as much as they can each year and we heard a few players come out this week and kind of speak up against against the houston franchise and one of them the biggest one really being andre johnson uh who, who spoke out and his tweet was uh to quote him if i'm sean watson i stand my ground the texans organization is known for wasting players careers since Jack Easterby has walked into that building, nothing good has happened in slash for the organization. And for some reason, someone can't seem to see what's going on. Pathetic with with three or four exclamation points, uh, kind of like your text, Steve. So a, b- a bunch of exclamation points there. Love the Dave, energy. Dave, you know how much I love exclamation points. <laughs> but then we, we also had, you know, Adrian Foster came out and basically said, um, you know, Andre Johnson's my brother. If he's speaking up, it means it, there's a lot to be said because Andre Johnson don't speak up for 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 nothing. Um, so like so, Steve, I know DeAndre Hopkins also came out, which which kind of makes sense getting traded from from Houston, kind of agreeing with with Andre Johnson. But what are your thoughts here? What do you think Deshaun Watson's doing? He's clearly calling for a trade. Do you think it's deserved? What do, you know, what are your thoughts surrounding this? Well, here's the thing, you know, Andre, to go back to Andre Johnson, the guy never said boo. He never, you never heard a negative thing come out of his mouth in, in the years that he played in the NFL. He's the only player in the ring of honor for the Texans. Um, so he's definitely highly, you know, uh, thought of in that organization. So for him to come out and to speak this way against the organization, against the ownership, definitely, it, it definitely, you know, holds some water here. With Watson's situation, though, guys, I gotta, I gotta think that that it, it's almost impossible for them to trade him. Uh, the the money that he's owed, uh, the the team that would be trading for him, yes, you would be getting a franchise quarterback, and that is huge in this league. But for what they're going to probably have to give up on the back end to get a Deshaun Watson, I, I just think it would be very difficult for that to to go to go through one thing I don't understand though. And it's like the, the reason he's disgruntled is that ownership told him he would have a say, not, not the say, but a say in who they bring in as their next head coach, which, you know, I get it. He's, he's the franchise player. He's your, he's your quarterback. You know, you, you would, I think bounce it off him, have a discussion with organizations spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in consulting fees to figure out what coach or GM they should bring in. You have the future of your organization in your quarterback, and you don't even you won't even speak to him in in any regards. Doesn't make any sense. It's like, well, don't tell the guy that you're going to consult with him, and then not consult with him, or or if you do consult with him, not bring in the one guy that he wanted you to interview. So now they're giving Eric Bieniemy a, a kind of a courtesy interview just to save face for Deshaun Watson. It's just not a good look for the Texans. It's not a good look for that franchise. And, you know, I don't blame Watson for, for wanting out. I'd love to have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson with the New York Giants. I, I mean, that's Super Bowl. I'd give up. Death. You can say that again. One draft class for him. It's unbelievable. And to think and to think he, you know, Mitchell Trubisky was taken before him in the draft. Um, well, Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky has a better win-loss record than uh, Deshaun Watson does, which says a lot <laughs> about the Houston Texans. Right, right. But no, I completely agree. It's I disagree with that. that. I, I think he's worth whatever whatever you can throw at him at the Texans to get him. And I think the Texans, with the trade that they did in 2019, not having a first round draft pick, you know, getting rid of DeAndre um, Hopkins. If none of that happened, yeah, maybe we're over reacting to this a little bit. But that did happen, and it's just like where you know, it's like the what DeAndre Johnson said. They have a make make a habit of wasting people's careers. Yeah, because I mean, at this point where it stands with the Texans, Dave, is they're, they don't have their first-round pick this year, which was the third overall pick. 
And also they're 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 in trouble with the salary cap. They're they're they're, I guess what Jay, they would call it, you know, salary cap hell, where you know they don't have the luxury of going out and signing some free agents here or bringing in some big names to go along with Deshaun and give him uh, you know, give him some weapons on the offensive side of the ball. So they're in trouble there in, in Houston. And, you know, you'd hate to see a career like Deshaun Watson's wasted. Uh, I hope he leaves. I hope he gets the hell out of there. I hope he finds a team where he can. He's one of those players. There's a lot of good young quarterbacks in the NFL right right now. He's at the top of the list. Uh, He's also just one. He's just entertaining as hell to watch every Sunday. So I would hate to see him kind of waste away, as Andrew Jobson says, in in Houston. Um, Can you give the listeners a moving on here? Moving on. Uh, KFC from Barstool hated it. I loved it. National championship, uh, Bama versus, uh, your boy, Justin Fields at OSU there. Steve-O, uh, we obviously know the outcome. What was your initial reaction to roll tide rolling? That that offense is probably one of the most dominant offenses that we'll ever see in our lifetime. Uh, the way that, and even the, you know, what Devontae Smith did in that first half of that game was something that you're never going to witness again. The amount of catches, receiving yards, touchdowns that that guy had, I mean, it was unbelievable. It was, it was a, it was a show. Um, I don't think. Yo, let me State- interject real quick there before you move on from from him. His uh, that was one of our prop bets on Twitter. Him to go over 137 yards. He had like 174 at halftime. Yeah. Yep. And didn't even play the second half because of his finger injury. He had, was it 174, what was it, 170 what yards? 170-something in three TDs. I mean, he blew it out. He blew out the prop bet in in the first half by like 30, 40 yards. But you're watching the game, and you're just going, wait a minute, Smith again? Wait, wait, hold on. Smith again? Like, are they guarding this guy? Like, he in wide open every single time. Like, you know. As you'll hear with our guest, as he kind of recaps a little, you know, teaser here is how much he prepares for games as a coach, how many hours they put in. To Steve-O, to your point, you knew that that this guy was going to put up yards on you, but like, I think we all thought he'd get slowed down in some in, in some way, shape, or form, not speed up. Especially when a guy like Jalen uh, Waddle goes out, you know. Now you got to key in on Smith. He's the guy. He's the guy you double, triple. I don't know. Like, throw your whole defense at him at that point. I mean, what he did to Ohio State was unbelievable. And I know they give Sarkeesian a lot of credit for, for you know, the offensive scheme or game plan that he came up with. But, I mean, that kid was – he was dominant. It was pretty spectacular what Steve Sarkeesian did by getting – Devontae Smith into open space and like one-on-one with those linebackers and all the motions he was doing with him. I mean, it was all around great performance and plus Najee Smith. Don't forget about him. Najee Harris. Najee Harris. Yeah. The all all kickstand team. He's a beast, man. They were, you know, it was, it was very impressive. And even Mac Jones, I was, I was impressed with with the way Mac Jones played in the grit. Uh, He showed staying in that game um, with whatever leg injury he, he had going on there towards the end. But you know, I, I think a lot of people knock him for his lack of athleticism, but I'll tell you, I, I just saw a kid that was composed. I saw a kid that made all the right reads, um, can throw the deep ball, you know, goes to his check down properly and just runs a system efficiently. And, I, you know, I think he can do that if he gets in the right situation in the next level. I think he can be, you know, a, a very productive quarterback. A.K.A. Uh, New England. I love it. I mentioned that last night to your dad in the text. I just, you know, get him in Bill Belichick's system offense and a system. He's a perfect system quarterback. Kind of had the same um, dad bod as Tom Brady did uh, going into the league, too. Was that picture uh, yeah, real? Yeah, was that real? I was just going to say, I, it's all more impressive, the performance he put on when you saw him shirtless after the game. That was So that was after the national championship game. Uh, his freshman year, yeah. Uh, three years ago. Yeah. It three. Yeah. Something dad like that. Bod. Oh, three. Dad bod. Pose the question, though. What's this mean for Justin Fields in that game? I don't think it's going to do too awful much to him, Rue. Um, you know, I think a lot of people will probably go back to the injury and say, well, he was he was injured. Um, maybe that played into, 
you know, the, his, the outcome for him, but, you know, he was very dominant in that semifinal game. He's very athletic. Um, I think there's enough tape for, for the, for the league to go on to, to really give him a good evaluation. I did hear that, that the combine is in, is in jeopardy of not happening this year. So I don't know. I was uh, impressed with fields. I, I, know, th- I think this Alabama team is underrated. I think this is one of the best college football teams that we've seen in, in modern history. You think uh, COVID- I, think were, I, I take them over last year's LSU. Do you think so? COVID diminished their excellence. Yeah, it was like they, they just first of all, they're the first team ever to to start out ranked one and and finish ranked one without ever without ever changing. Um, their closest game was to Florida, who they lost, who they they beat by six. Um, other than that, every other game was won by at least fifteen points, all the way up to sixty points. Um, Three Heisman finalists. Compare that to LSU last year; um, they won two games by only uh, by seven points or less. Um, I just think COVID kind of. They they kind of just slipped under the table a little bit. It's like, yeah, Alabama's good every week. There wasn't as much discussion because not as many teams were playing. And we didn't actually really realize how great of a football team this is. And then you got to remember, too, guys, it, it was all against SEC competition. No cupcake games. I did look at uh, LSU's schedule last year, and they, they, had, they had three out-of-conference, you know, just gimme games. Uh, that, that they that they dominated and really I think we remember a lot towards the end of the season last year with LSU but like you said they were in some some very close games throughout the season and then then they really started to click and dominate as the, as the season progressed and and ended up so I think that was fresh in everybody's mind but yeah this 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 Bama team this year they, they were something that that we're going to remember for a long time. Also, like the Joe Burrow story kind of gave LSU a little more life. You know, when you have those stories behind the team, too, you, you almost think they're a little better than they are. <clears throat> but um, that's a wrap. As Rooster said, college football will be back in, in one month, baby. Love it. Steve, who, what, what about our DraftKings? We, uh, who, who took home last, last week's uh, winnings and what we got upcoming? DraftKings winner this week, Dave, was my boy Philip Kegley, who is a actually is a seasonal uh, resident of Florida. Uh, he's actually the only smart one that uh, we grew up with. Cover City, who, all the way up and down the East Coast. Yeah, uh, you know, going to spend his winters down in Florida and his summers up here. He's he's the only smart one. He took down first place. Uh, second place was Patchy Adams. Not sure who we are, Patchy, but thanks for joining. Thanks for. Uh, you know, being a part of the Cover City contest. And then third place was, you know, a name that you guys are very familiar with. It's, uh, you know, Dom Vito Testo took the third place, cashed in yet again in the Cover City contest. So look out for it this week. The The link's already out on Twitter, and uh, we already got the, the contest posted. So make sure you guys get in on some action. Um, Steve, what place did you finish in DraftKings? I, I think I, I think I was the 18th out of 25. Did you have I I broke a record? Or, uh, I, sh- I should say all record. I think I broke my record this week, Dave. I finished 21st. <laughs> no, I <didn't. laughs> we're great. We bumped it up to 25 guys. <laughs> I wouldn't have, wouldn't even have finished if it was 20. I feel like they gave me my money back. I was so bad this week. <laughs> They just said sorry. That was terrible. Just yeah, wanted- that's Steve and I every week. So, so now, now, now you got three, uh, you, me, and Pat, all just uh, free money for the taking. Pat, yeah, you beat us. Pat, you were seventeenth. Dave was eighteenth, and I was first. All right, so let's go ahead. Let's move into this week's guest uh, guest of the week, Steve. This is this is an exciting one for you. Who we got? Dave, I'm extremely excited to introduce this guest. Uh, I think you guys are going to love this one. He's a former Virginia Tech Hokie, a 1998 fourth-round draft pick by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, played eight seasons in the league for the Bucs and the Texans. As an offensive lineman, I'd like to welcome Todd Washington to the podcast this weekend. Todd, should should I actually add kick returner in there as a, a position that you, you played briefly in the league? Well, I had three returns in my career, so uh, it'd be okay for you to put that on there if you want to. So That's, that's three more than us. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to drop that uh, YouTube clip of your uh, your return there where I, I don't know who the poor guy is that you, you pancaked, but you flattened somebody and 
and you, you were uh, you were marching. I don't know. Would you did you return like 35, 40 yards? No, I wish it was. It was, it was roughly sixteen. Was sixteen. All right, whatever. I mean, say hey, you know, sixteen, twenty, yeah. same thing. Uh, that's awesome, uh, Todd. Just to give the the listeners a little background uh, about you, I, I mentioned you played for the Bucks and the Texans, uh, coming from Virginia Tech. Um, but you uh, you won two Super Bowls, uh, one Super Bowl as a player for the Buccaneers uh, back in 02 uh, under Coach Gruden, and then another one as a coach uh, for the Ravens in 2012 under Coach uh, John Harbaugh. Uh, obviously, that's the pinnacle of the league. That's what, uh, you know, as a player and a coach, that's what you guys strive for uh, each and every year. Let the listeners know, give us a sense of just – the excitement that it, it 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 was to to reach that both as a player and a coach. I tell you what, it's next to Marion Shannon having my kid and her having my kids. It's the greatest feeling in the world. Um, you are the best at what you do in your profession, and no one can take that away from you. And I was very fortunate not be, to be able to do it not once but twice, and on both sides of the coin, one as a player and as a coach. Um, as a player, I mean, yeah, you were practicing, we're grinding, your body's beat up physically, mentally, you got to stay sharp and you got to have a little luck on your side. And um, we are very fortunate that, you know, we Gruden came from the Raiders and we're playing the Raiders in the Super Bowl. So we almost had like a blueprint of what to expect in certain situations. Um, as a coach, um, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into the game plan. You got to have answers for certain situations that may or may not come up. Um, you're watching film. You're still watching every single game that the 49ers play, and you got to find a way to condense, put a game plan together that will give you the best chance to win. And we were doing that very well. And if the lights didn't go out, we probably would have dropped 50 on them. And the lights go off, and if you give a team an hour to recover, they're going to find a way to come back and make it interesting. And that's what happened. But, um, you know, we found a way to hold them off and, you know, just having two championships in, in a, in a, in a league that in a profession that, you know, I grew up playing is, is very humbling and I want more. So um, the excitement is nothing like it. And you just work your tail off to try to get back to that same feeling again. Todd, real, real quick, you mentioned, a little bit of the difference as a player and a coach, which, which did you feel like more pressure or, or maybe a little more nervous going into the Super Bowl as a player or a coach? As a coach, um, you know, the highs are higher, the lows are lower. Um, as a coach, the amount of time on task, you're roughly 18 to 22 hour days earlier in the week. Um, some, some coaches don't go home early in the week. You're basically spending time, spending the night in the office. Um, you're missing out on a lot of things with your family. Uh, just so you can put together a game plan for three, eight, three and a half hours on, on, on the weekend. So um, this def, the time on task is, is great. So the reward you want when you win, that reward is greater. And, you know, obviously if you're on the losing end, it, 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 it sucks. It's, it's just something that's going to take a while to, to recover from. Well, luckily for you, you were never on the losing side of uh, the ball. <laughs> No, no, I'm too low right now. So I got a, I got a decent record with that, and uh, hopefully that'll, try, hopefully we can get some more of those, some more wins. Currently, you're an offensive assistant for the New York Jets, and there's a head coaching change yep. coming to New York. So what does that hold for you? Well, right now I'm still on the contract. I'm still working for the Jets. It's unfortunate, you know, these things happen in our business. There's not a lot of job security. It's a the NFL is a production based business. You produce by production, meaning wins and championships. And when you don't have those, I mean, they're going to have to make changes. So as of right now, I'm in a holding pattern. Like I said before, I'm still in the contract. Depending on who comes in as a new head coach, I may get retained and I may not get retained. So it just depends on the new organ, the new staff coming in and what they want. And uh, I know I'll have the chance to meet whoever that new coach will be. And if I if we're able to mesh on on a lot of ideas and philosophies, there's a good chance I could stay. Yeah, I mean the the big name that I keep hearing is is Robert Salee, the defensive coordinator for San Francisco 49ers. I think it was reported that he was just finished up his second second interview with the team today. I wanted to ask you a question about you know there's seven openings in the NFL. 
none of them have been filled yet. Do you think that has a lot to do with coaches still coaching in the playoffs and possibly potentially being candidates for these opening jobs? I think, I think part of that is, is that is true. I think some of the potential candidates are still playing, playing ball right now. So they want to wait. And honestly, the other part is one team is they're waiting for one team to pull the trigger. You know, just like in the NFL draft, you'll see like second, third round, maybe a team may draft a DB and next, you know, the next three or four teams are drafted DB, you know, or you draft an offensive lineman, the next two or three teams are drafting offensive lineman. Mm -hmm. So they're all playing this waiting game. Okay. Who's going to be the first one to pull the trigger? And right. once that happens, we'll start to see the dominoes fall quickly. Here's a take I came up with. Uh, you played under the legendary coach Frank Beamer uh, at, at Virginia Tech in your time in college. His son Shane actually just took over for the Gamecocks down there in South Carolina. I was uh, kind of curious if there would be a possibility that we would see you on the sidelines down there at Columbus. Um, and I've known Shane for a while, long time. Um, he was our long snapper when I played at Virginia Tech and – his place was the place to go to hang out after games or whatnot. Um, I stay in touch with him. Um, I don't think I'll be heading to South Carolina right now. I think he already has an offensive lineman, line coach, in, you know, in mind. Yep. But you never say never. I mean, things change and, and you, things change every year in, in this profession. Um, I've seen coaches get a job and they're out after a year or after two years. Right. So you just never know. Um, I congratulated him when he first got the job. He replied back, and we've had some communication back and forth. Um, years ago, Shane was up for the Murray State job, and he called me to be his offensive line coach, and he didn't get the job. But, I mean, we have that connection, and we have that rapport with one another. So, you know, you just never know what the future holds. I saw Virginia Tech, and then it kind of just triggered. I'm like, Beamer, Shane just got hired. So I thought yeah. it might be might be a destination so the, the Virginia Tech Hokie uh, connection leads me to my next little discussion that brings a, a connection to upstate New York here. We're up in the Albany area. And uh, Andre Davis was a teammate of yours. He's out of Niskayuna High School. I believe he was a freshman, maybe a true freshman, your senior year. Yeah. yeah. He was actually a really highly touted athlete at Niskayuna. And um, I believe as, it, as the story goes, Frank Beamer saw some tape on him and was enamored by his speed and uh, gave him a shot down there at, at uh, Virginia tech in Blacksburg. I just remember a young kid coming out during practice during camp and we we're in a pass under pressure drill, which is, you know, defense can basically bring the house and we have to block it up and make plays. And there was this guy just running past DBs over and over again. He got the ball sometimes, sometimes he didn't, but I'm like, okay, this guy's going to be special. I was going to say, I don't, he, he never really stuck in the league for very long, right? Maybe about three, four years. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's very hard to get to the NFL. I mean, you, you have talent, you got scouts out there and their job is to find, find great college players. Sometimes being a great college player will not translate to you being a good NFL player, a good professional. Um, Sometimes, you're, you know, your body may break down during your college career and you're and you don't have the chance or the opportunity to be 100 percent and show what you can really do in the NFL. So, you know, there's a lot of things that goes in the goes into it to get those good opportunities. And also it's timing. If you're in the right place at the right time in the right system, you have a chance to excel. Um, if you don't, then you might be be at journeyman going from team to team trying to find that fit. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But um, Andre was a was a good kid, was a good football player. I remember he would be in meetings and he'll just sit there and soak up all the information and knowledge. Didn't say much, but just watching how he his eye his eye contact when he talked to teammates and talked to coaches and how he interacted with, with one another, I knew he was going to be a damn good college player. Yeah, and I thought he was going to have a chance in the pros. And you know, again, like I said before, it's all about timing and the situation that you're in. Well, here's another one. Anthony Weaver out of Saratoga Springs. You were a teammate of his for the Houston Texans. I've brought up Anthony a couple times uh, in the podcast previously. We played freshman football together. We played uh, JV basketball. But um, 
Babe Ruth baseball. I struck him out three times in a Babe Ruth <laughs> baseball game. That's kind of like my claim to fame. You know, right. I struck out a professional athlete. You know, I mean, I'm not going to tell you he didn't hit a home run the next at bat, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> hey, so uh, you, you played uh, with the Texans uh, with uh, with Anthony Weaver. He is actually currently the defensive coordinator uh, there uh, in Houston right now. And there's another team that's kind of in flux with with who their next head coach uh, might be. Uh, g- give us some stories about about Anthony that uh, maybe the listeners would uh, love to hear. So big weave, man, he was he was he was a great teammate to have. Um, you know, we've had our battles in practice, you know, going back and forth. I do remember he was so knock me when he played. He had to wear these knee braces called unloaders. Basically what they mean is that they in a way they take the pressure off certain points of your knee. Yeah. So so your your ligaments won't be under so much stress when you're playing the game. So he had these two big bulky knee braces on playing D-line, which was very weird to see because usually that's for offensive line. Offensive lineman, yep. You know, but he used to wear these two big bulky things, and he'd go out there and he'll he'll do his thing. And, you know, it was something that was a part of him. But um, I just love the way he – I remember him just working his butt off every day. Kind of gone the same path uh, that, that you've gone in the, uh, the the coaching ranks, and we're really looking forward to following you and in, in your coaching career and, and where you're going to be heading next, or, or hopefully maybe even staying put uh, in New York. Cause you guys do have a, a solid foundation there. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, we do have some good, great core players, you know, guys fought their butts off every game, you know, back to weave. I remember when he was at Cleveland, I was coaching in Baltimore. We spent time before, before the games talking back and forth about this profession and I'm just so excited for him and so happy that he had the opportunity to be a defensive coordinator. And those are, I think he's going to catch on somewhere. Hopefully he stays in Houston, but if not, I know he'll, he's going to have a great career. And um, back to our, back to here with the Jets. I mean, we, like I said before, we have some good players, some great core players. The guys work their butts off every day. There, there was no tanking going on with us. And for the people to say, sit there saying that we're losing on purpose, to hell with you. Yeah. You know, that's not what professionals do. You you put that uniform on, you got the NFL shield on your on your uniform, you're out there, you're playing to win. And it's was very frustrating to lose those 13 games in a row. We didn't plan for that to happen. You know, we didn't plan for those things to happen. But right. adjustment to our guys to come out there every day, every week, putting in that work and grinding and find a way to win. And we wind up beating two playoff teams. You know, so that goes to show you that we have we have the people. We just got to find a way to tighten up some things and, you know, and go from there. Todd, does that mean we have we have to give the uh, Philadelphia Eagles a break as Giants fans? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, I, I, that whole little situation with the, with the benching and the, all that. I, I try to stay away from those things. Um, rivalries, the, those wounds cut deep. And they don't they don't heal, you know. So what they did to the Giants, best believe when the Giants are in the in the situation, the tables are turned, Lord knows what will happen, you know. But um, you know, it's it's that's the beautiful thing about this game. You know, the rivalries, the competition, um, the side the side stuff about okay, if we win, the Giants come in, get into the playoffs, but mm, I don't want to do that, you know, whatever it is. So it's it's um it's one some of those things that people don't know about the little the little side deals and whatnot, but um, this will make the game great. Todd, you, you spoke a little bit about the culture of the Jets, and Steve-O brought it up as well. If, you know, thinking back to your two Super Bowl teams, what what stands out or comes quickly to mind about the culture of those teams? The biggest difference between the Ravens, the teams that was with the Ravens, and the teams that was with the Buccaneers, and being here with the Jets, um, the Jets we're, we're we're a very young team, and usually when you're very very young, you don't have the veteran leadership that you're looking for. And so when you don't have that, these young guys are experiencing certain situations for the first time. And sometimes those first time situations are the difference between winning and losing. And with those teams in Baltimore, we had Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, um, Flacco. We had uh, Vontae Leach. Um, You know, we just had, you know, C.J. Mosley. We had, you know, player after player after player that been in those situations. And they're they're, they're, they're men. They've been battle tested and they never flinched. Um, the guys at Tampa, you know, we had Mike Allstott, Ward Dunn, we had Carl Williams, Dave Moore, um, Warren Sapp, 
Derek Brooks, John Lynch, Ronnie Barber, Donnie Abraham. I mean, player after player after player. We have pro bowlers at every level on our team. And they were, again, battle-tested. They didn't flinch. Situational football, they knew what to do. And those situational things are will boil down to a handful of games going your way or not. And once we start getting that type of veteran leadership here, and I'm confident that we will get that, you'll start seeing some improvements and you'll start seeing – some good, some better football than we, what we have shown in the past. So, Todd, speaking of the experience, so then put put that in 2020. What what two teams are you predicting to to make a Super Bowl run this year? You know, it's going to be tough. Everybody will say, yeah, Kansas City would be be the team in the AFC. I honestly think Green Bay has a chance in the NFC, mainly because of the number one seed, and you have to go through Lambeau. Home field's huge. I believe that one is cold, yep. and it takes a whole different mindset to go into Lambeau Field when it's sub-zero temperature to come out with a, win, with a win. And that is a the ultimate home field advantage. I think Kansas City has the weapons to take it all. They got definitely have the speed at receiver. Their defense is solid. Um, you know, Green Bay's defense is, is good. I don't know if they can hold up uh, to the run as well. Um, if you look at last year's playoff game versus San Fran, that was a blueprint of them running the ball down their throat. So, um, you know, but again, it, it just all depends on what happens on, on game day. If you show up, you have a good chance. Look at Pittsburgh, for example. Pittsburgh had everything going for them, and they didn't show up. First play of the game was a bad snap, you know, and then everything just went downhill from there. So you can have all the talent in the world. You can have the best record in the world. You could be rolling, but when the time comes when it's lose or go home, you better be ready to go because if not, you will be home very quickly. They, they don't call it NFL, not for long, for nothing. Exactly right. right. <laughs> exactly right. Well, Todd, we just want to thank you so much for being a part of our podcast this week. We really look forward to following you on your journey as a coach uh, in the league. And uh, we'd definitely uh, love to have you back uh, again soon as a guest to share more great stories and experiences with our listeners. Yeah, absolutely, man. We got to definitely do this again. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Todd, we, we got a saying. Much, we, uh, we, we say, uh, yeah, cover city over here. Can you, give a, can you give the listeners your best yeah, cover city? Yeah, cover city. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thanks, Todd. All right, guys. Have a good one, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Best of luck. Uh, Steve, (laughs) that had to be the first time you ever interviewed a guy with two Super Bowl rings. When when do you think this is going to happen again for us at Cover City? Uh, Next week or or a couple of years here? Hopefully when we find out where Todd lands and we get him back on the podcast, Dave, because it was a great interview. I I was I was super excited to, to have it and I'm glad you guys all got to uh, listen in on on Todd and his experiences. It was great. Huge interview for Cover City. Excellent segue into the NFL playoff games this week. Steve-O, who's kicking it off? Oh, baby. We got divisional round playoff action Saturday and Sunday. Saturday, guys, 430 on Fox. You got the Rams going up to Lambeau Field to take on the Green Bay Packers and A.A. Ron Rodgers. Packers are seven-point favorites with an over-under of 45-and-a-half, guys. I don't know. I think this is going to be a good game. Might be tough for LA to to travel up there in the frozen tundra. So. You heard it. You heard it from the horse's mouth. Todd said Lambo's the best, um, toughest, the toughest. Yeah, the toughest play. You know, the best. I was gonna say the best home field advantage an NFL team could have going up there into the frozen tundra. Yep. Packers offense has been rolling this season. Thirty points, 12, uh, 12 times this year, or more than thirty points, uh, twelve times this season. Um, you know, I, I think that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams is a huge one-two weapon with Aaron Jones coming out of the backfield, um, you know, as, as a runner and as a pass catcher. Um, I, I just, I think the week off definitely helped the Packers to, to kind of nurse any, you know, lingering injuries that they may or may not have had. And I think, you know, Aaron Donald got a little banged up in that Seahawks game. Uh, said he had had some sort of a rib in, injury. He said he is he is good to go uh, for this weekend, but but might be, you know, might not be full strength. So that would definitely be uh, in in uh, the Packers' advantage. Cooper uh, Cup is also, I think, questionable coming into this. 
think a lot of guys this time of year you're going to see, you know, even Stefan Diggs was was questionable last week in Buffalo. But anyway, that has nothing to do with this game. So edit that the fuck out. Well, I, I like, you know, like Rodgers is a super overly confident guy, but he seems even like more overly confident, confident. I the chances of him losing here in Green Bay, I think, are, are slim to none. The question is, Steve, does he cover by seven? So, you know, Vegas is Vegas for a reason. They're they're, they're good with these lines. Um, you know, after last week, uh, seeing what uh, the Rams were able to do with golf, with with his injured thumb, I just don't foresee that amount of uh, production from their, you know, defensive side of the ball, scoring a touchdown and and even offensively, uh, like Todd did mention, Green Bay might be a team that you can run against. Um, so, you know, look for maybe Cam Akers to have a, have a pretty good day for the Rams. But if 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 we're putting money on the line here, I, I'm going to de- definitely back Aaron Rodgers and, and Green Bay with this one at home. So a, a nice matchup to watch in this one is going to be uh, Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams. I'm curious what the prop bit for Devontae Adams will be in, in total yardage. Uh, we'll get that on Twitter once once we get a line there. But Jalen Ramsey this year versus DK Metcalf. Metcalf has totaled four receptions for 44 yards in three games. Versus Stefan Diggs, one reception for four yards. Versus um, DeAndre Hopkins, five receptions for 48 yards over two games. And Mike Evans, four receptions for over 40 yards. Uh, Devontae Adams came out, said he he highly respects Jalen Ramsey, said he's he's a top four corner in the league. Uh, But this is one that that, that we got to watch. I'm still taking the over on pretty much whatever that yardage line that comes out for Devontae Adams is, uh, just because he'll find a way. To, to get different matchups throughout the game. But uh, this is kind of like a, a side note to watch during this game. No, definitely. Jalen Ramsey's an elite cornerback, and he'll let you know it every chance he, he possibly can get. You'll, you're going to see those guys chirping throughout this game. Um, you know what? Devontae Adams is that sneaky, you know, just always gets open no matter who's on him or, or where, he, where he's at uh, on the field. So, I'm really looking forward to this game and to that matchup uh, in particular. Yeah, and just before we get into the next game here, my my thing here with Devontae Adams, so I had him in fantasy all all year, so I paid attention to him pretty closely. His his relationship or his chemistry uh, with Rodgers, it's almost just like every single play Rodgers is looking for him, and he will fit the ball in there even if chances are slim as hell um, rather than, than, than spreading it out. And Adams comes up with it. That, that's what the most impressive thing is. It's just he makes the play. And so that's going to take us into the Saturday night game. Rue, you want to give it to him? Buffalo! Ravens at Bills. Bills are favored here by one and a half. Um, it is in Buffalo. And uh, the over-under here is 50 and a half. Steve-O, are you riding with our boys, boys to the west? Dave, they... They stung me last week. They're my Stewart's butter hard roll. I was I was rolling hard on them. I was I was heavy on the butter uh, for for the Buffalo Bills. They won. They won, but they didn't cover. And anytime a team doesn't cover for me, I get bitter. I get a little sour. Like I had a soggy hard roll. I don't. You don't like soggy hard rolls. You you guys like soggy hard rolls. I don't like soggy hard rolls. Um, no, it's this one's going to be a great game. Uh, both teams are playing. They're probably the two hottest teams, I would say, going into the playoffs with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson and, you know, just how how comfortable Lamar's looked, um, you know, with the ball in his hands, whether it's in the pocket passing or taking off with the run. He's just – he's dynamic. He's electric. And and you can't really say enough about Josh Allen, the way he's been playing uh, in the red zone this year. 26 touchdown passes, eight rushing touchdowns, zero INTs for Josh Allen. And fun fact here that Rue Baby Love came up with uh, on Josh Allen. He uh, he threw for 2,000 yards uh, in the first half of the season and 2,000 yards in the second half of the season. So that, that's pretty uh, pretty impressive numbers. Pretty kind of ironic that that he, he had exactly 2,000 yards in both both halves, but uh, of the season, but. You know, um, th- this game's going to come down to the wire. I think, guys. Um, if if I if gun to head, if I had to make a pick, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with the Ravens. Uh, they kind of been riding that bandwagon here for a little bit, and and they uh, 
they've been they've been putting out. So I'm gonna, I'm going to roll with the Ravens. Yeah, Steve, I don't like that. Um, I'm going to rattle off some Josh Allen stats here and then tell me again if you're still with the Ravens after this. Um, Josh Allen against the Blitz, first in total touchdowns with 19, first in yards with 1850, with 13 big-time throws, um, which I believe is is a throw over 20 yards. The first quarterback uh, last week, um, to throw for over 300 yards with 70% completion rate and over 50 yards rushing. Another prop bet cover city hit last week. Josh Allen on the over on rushing yards. Uh, Don't forget J.K. Dobbins to score a tutty too. That's right. That's right. Uh, to throw in Lamar Jackson into the mix. Apparently he loves Josh Allen too. Uh, he was quoted this week saying he's one of the greatest dudes you can be around. He, he just really is. I, I say that to everyone that I speak about him too. Um, but putting them two together, Lamar Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, they've combined for 88 passing TDs um, with zero interceptions in the red zone. So I, I agree with you. I think we're going to have a, a, a legit game here that's going to come down to the wire. But, Rue, who's pulling it off? Buffalo. I'm sniffing an under. Looks like a little snow showers this, this Saturday. You know what? And I did hear a stat today. Uh, Lamar Jackson's never played in the snow in his life. He, uh, he's a Florida boy, played college football, Louisville. He's never played in, the, in a snow game. So, you know, maybe the excitement and, and the uh, of playing in the snow will lead him to victory like I'm talking about. Uh, let's jump into Sunday, uh, 3.05 start for the Browns at the Chiefs with uh, Chiefs favored by 10. Double digits here with the over-under of 56. Steve-O, high spread. Uh, do you think the Chiefs pull this off? Dave, I'm going to hold off uh, my opinion on this game until we get down to uh, Stewart's buttered hard roll pick of the week. Ooh, ooh, a teaser. Sounds like sounds like the Browns or the Chief might be this week's buttered hard roll. Mm-hmm. Hit him with some facts, though, Dave. Hit him with some game facts that you guys might not have known that you're going to be looking out for this week. All right, here, here's a good one. Here's a good one. Baker. Last time Baker faced Mahomes, 125 points scored, oh, 1,708 yards of total offense. That was Oklahoma versus Texas Tech. I hope we get some sort of similar fireworks here this week. Um, but I, I got to kind of like give it up to, to Baker Mayfield here. In his playoff debut, he was 21 for 34, 263 yards, three TDs, zero interceptions against a Pittsburgh team that was just barking at him that they were going to uh, basically lay down and die. I mean, he he did that. It was a 50 what, – what was it? A 52-year playoff win drought for the Browns. Um and he did it all with with zero practice all week. So they're getting a legit week of practice in. I don't like the spread here at 10. I'm giving the Browns a little more credit than that. Um, but I guess before we, we move on to the 640 game, one thing I noticed when I, I was doing some research here, uh, <laughs> Baker Mayfield's actually the oldest QB in the AFC playoffs right now. So he's 25. Mahomes is also 25, but about 100 days younger than him. Josh Allen's 24, and Lamar Jackson's 24. Still younger than the oldest NFC remaining quarterback. Yeah, Rue, that's a great segue to this 640 game. Bucks at Saints. Saints are minus three. Over-unders 52. Two old bags at quarterback. Steve-O, give us, give us your insights here. So, Dave, we we all know how Nickelodeon uh, they 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 um, broadcast a game last weekend uh, for the NFL. I heard this weekend uh, the History Channel is going to broadcast this game uh, for the NFL. Two oldest uh, starting quarterbacks uh, to to face off in the NFL in in the history of the league. Uh, Drew Brees possibly could be his last game for the Saints if he can beat. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers for a third time this year. It's very difficult for teams to win three times uh, against uh, another team throughout the year, especially uh, an in-conference rival uh, like these two guys are. But the Saints have been dominant uh, in both matchups. Uh, they they won uh, by, by 11 in the first matchup and then 35 in the second matchup. So I, I don't know. I think this game is going to be – 
it's going to be a lot closer than those two games were. Um, I think the Bucks offense is definitely playing a lot better um, than than they had been in those two previous weeks. Um, last week, you know, the Bucks looked okay against Washington, um, but I don't think we give Washington enough credit for that front four and then their defensive side of the ball and how tough they can be. So I don't know. I, this one's going to be a great game. Three points at at New Orleans. They did say they were going to uh, allow some fans this week. Uh, Bruce Arians was interviewed, said the last time they played there, it was just so awkward to be in that arena. And Those that are probably arena. more awkward than the stadiums. Yeah, that's what he said. He goes, I would rather have a full stadium and not be able to hear anything than, than actually be able to hear you know yourself breathing uh, while you're on the sideline. So I know this is going to be a good game. I, I love the times. I'll tell you what, I love the times for Sunday. Uh, you know, you got three o'clock, then six forty. So it's you know, it's not going to be a, another midnight night for you to, to have to stay up on a, on a school night to watch this game. Um, I, I, I want to roll with Tom Brady. I want to kind of see him um, make his way to to match up against Aaron Rodgers for a shot to go to the Super Bowl. Um, I just think it would be a great story, and he's getting three points. I'm going to roll with with Tommy Tommy Brady. Yeah, so if you're not too interested in, in watching, as uh, Steve-O mentioned, uh, Tom Brady and Drew Brees on the History Channel, someone to watch here is Mike Evans versus uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Um, they've had seven career matchups thus far, uh, and, and it's pretty it's a pretty mixed bag. It's a pretty, pretty fair fight between the two of them. So um, Mike Evans has had three games with one catch or less, uh, two games with four catches or less, um, and then – two games with five or seven uh, receptions uh, with 55 and 147 yards respectively there. Um, in all of the seven games, he's had he's had three touchdowns as well. So um, I think that's going to be an interesting fight. I hope there's a prop bet out on, on Mike Evans' total yardage here, uh, and we'll get you our, our Twitter pick on that. Um, but, Steve, a question for you, or Rue, you know, you mentioned it might be Drew Brees' last game. Do you, do you hope that this might also be Tom Brady's last game? It's not going to be. He's already come out to say he's playing next year. Listen, speaking for the younger crowd, well, speaking for myself, I love watching the old heads play. I love it. I love greatness. I want to see every second of them before they go. I like your take there, Ru. But, yeah, Thanks. He, he signed a two-year contract. He he said he's going to see out that two-year contract and then, you know, kind of go from there. I got a big man alert. Big man alert. Take a look at Tristan Wirfs. Uh, pass block 648 times. His past 648, only one sack allowed. So I was going to see how he can hold up against that Saints D-line. Cameron Jordan and company, they're mm -hmm. going to be coming for him. So Damn it, right. It I love that. We need more big man alerts on Cover City. Love a little big man. <laughs> Steve-O, you teased us, man. You teased us um, in that um... – Browns Chiefs game. It's time, baby. Buttered hard rolls here. What do we got? All this energy calling me back where it comes from. It's such a crude attitude. It's back where it belongs. All the little chicks with a crimson lips go Cleveland rocks. Cleveland rocks. Living in sin with a safety pin. Cleveland rocks. Guys, this week Stewart's butter hard roll. The team I'm rolling with is that team we we're talking about in the song, Cleveland baby. I'm going with the Browns, getting 10 points against the Chiefs. Coach Stefanski's gonna be back off the COVID-19 list. Cornerbacks Denzel Ward and Kevin Johnson will be back in action for the Browns defense. Chiefs haven't beaten anybody by more than 10 points since they beat the Jets in Week Eight. They've been just kind of squeaking by. I know they had a week off to kind of, you know, get a little bit healthy for them, but I, I don't I don't foresee them beating Cleveland by 10 points or more. So I'm going to roll with Cleveland. Cleveland rocks. Baker Mayfield and company. I'm looking forward to this game, and they're my Stewart Butter hard roll pick of the week. Yeah, Cover City. Ohio! Ohio. <laughs> Steve, oh, one quick thing to mention there after their bye week in week 10, 
They only beat the Las Vegas Raiders by four. So the additional week might not prove too valuable for them, as you you mentioned. Um, Before we leave, can I say Mm -hmm. one thing? Did I not call like two weeks before the season started that Pittsburgh would have a good year, have a good record, and then lose first first week of the uh, Dave, you nailed that one. I actually – My claim to fame this year. It was literally my claim to fame this year. I I actually went to put it in the the, uh, saloon talk. Let's go. You were on that ass like moss on a Mississippi tree stump. <laughs> was, was my reference not good enough for you there, Rue? I think Rue just <laughs> likes to use swear words. Let's go. Take <laughs> us into the weekend. That's another episode. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed our um, guest. Shout out to Todd. Thanks again for coming on. We appreciate that and hope to have you back on here at Cover City Sports. But follow us on Twitter at Cover City sports follow us on instagram at cover city sports hop in the draft kings 25 spots this week gonna fill up fast but what else you got great episode this week guys love the interview love the games this weekend we got four divisional round playoff games in the nfl it's really starting to heat up college football season ended for us but as we said one month from now they'll be back in in action in the fcs so guys enjoy the weekend Yeah, cover city. Dick picks.